and welcome everyone to another episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am your host, Keisha Rivers, Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes. We all know that success begins in the mind. The way that you think shapes your actions, and your actions are what ultimately lead to your success. So here on the Mindset to Mastery podcast, we will give you tools, tips, insights, strategies, and actionable items to enable you to change your mindset and master your success. If you want more information about us and about what we can do to assist you in your journey, you can visit us at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com. No spaces, no underlines. We hope to be able to hear from you soon. So without further ado, we're going to get to today's episode. And this is one that um, was actually a humorous discussion that I had with a couple of people on the subject of leadership. And leadership is, is a buzzword that's going around, but it's also a very important part of determining your success as well as the success of your organization or your company or your group or your team. And so under the mantle of learning how to be an effective leader and how to actually move yourself forward and position yourself and your team and your organization for success, we got to thinking about the characteristics of what it takes to be a good leader. And today's episode is all about what I learned about leadership from a group of first graders. Now, I know what you're thinking you know, this is like one of those books that says, I learned all I needed to learn in kindergarten or first grade. Not quite, but I do think that once I'm done with today's episode, you will have actually gotten some things out of this that you can apply within your organization, within your own personal or professional growth, um, within your team, because these are some tried and true things that apply across the board, regardless of what age you are. So to give you a little bit of backstory, I have been an educator for a number of years. I have a background in both nonprofit and um, in business, as well as a background in education. And I did a stint as a classroom teacher where I taught a group of first grade students. Now, anyone who's ever been around six or seven-year-olds, you know that they are so adorable. They are absolutely cute. Um, they are the kids that you look at and you awe and you, and you marvel at how much they grow and develop in just nine short months and how independent they can become in such a short period of time. But one thing that you don't realize is that teachers who teach any level of student, but particularly teachers who teach younger students, have to have some very clear and defined and concise concepts of what it means to be a leader. And so one of the things that I first learned right out the gate when I first got into my classroom was that the concept of control is very fluid and it's subjective. Because I remember one day I was at home and, and I was going through, I was you know, grading papers and I'd gotten tired and I went to sleep and I woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because I recognized that I am just one adult and there are 28 to 30 of these little six-year-olds in this classroom. And the only thing standing between me and absolute chaos was the fact that these kids were trained and conditioned to follow what I said. So they were trained and conditioned to follow me as the leader because I was an adult. I was the person who was supposed to tell them what to do and show them what to do and to guide them. And they were supposed to listen to me. But when you think about the concept of leadership, most times 
people who are in leadership positions, whether they were promoted, whether they were voted there, whether they were, uh, they assumed it because someone else left the organization, they automatically think that because they have this title, they automatically have control. But control is a very fluid and subjective concept. And the definition, the actual definition of control is the power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of, it, of events. So you have to have power, but you have to have influence. And your influence is directly determined by the people that you are supposed to lead. So I understood very early on as a, as a beginning teacher that the only reason why I was able to influence what was going on with these kids was because of their concept that I had the power to influence them, that I had the power to control their actions and what they did, that I had the power and the respect that they gave me that would enable them to actually listen to me. So these comes from, from societal norms, from cultural norms, based on someone's personal experience, their community experience, their family experience, and their expectations of what it means to be a leader and what it means to be a part of a group. So when you are looking at developing yourself or grooming yourself or taking on the mantle of a leader, whether it's in your community or your organization or your team or your school or what have you, you really have to understand and think about what do the people that I'm leading or the people that I am, I am trying to, to influence, what do they think, what do they know, what do they understand, and what is their, their expectation of what it means to lead? Because until you understand what their expectations are, you can't effectively bring people together so that you're able to actually influence them in a positive way and to ultimately get to the outcomes that you want to achieve. So leadership is the action of leading a group of people or an organization. It's the action that you take. Leadership is not something that's static. Leadership is not something that's dependent just upon you having a directive or you having a position or you having a title. Leadership is something that has to be undertaken and actively pursued and actively managed day in and day out with every single member of your team. So if you want to lead people, you have to cause a person to go, to go with you by either holding them by the hand while you're moving forward or guiding them by the hand while you're moving forward. So if you're leading someone, you're going with them. You can't just tell someone else where to go and you're sitting back there in the office or you're sitting back there in the boat and say, hey, just go out and do it. You have to show them. You have to take them by the hand. You have to have traveled that path. You have to be a route or a means of access to a particular place or in a particular direction. You have to be in charge or command, organize and direct, be the principal player, set the process in motion. So leadership is an action term. Leadership is something that happens because of the fact that you recognize your position as one of being in control, you recognize your position of power, and you, you recognize your position of influence. So... With all that being said, I come down to four main things that I wanted to talk about today with regards to what I learned from about leadership from first graders. And there are, there, there are some concepts that you'll hear me talk about off and on um, in various ways, and I'm sure that you'll, help, you'll hear me mention them when I have guests on. But the key things that I want you to take away from this is how each one of these things are integrated and integral to the entire process of cultivating a community 
of leadership and to create a culture of leadership, both with the person, quote unquote, in charge, as well as the individual people that make up the team. So the first thing comes down to community. One thing about first graders is they don't go anywhere by themselves. They don't do anything by themselves. If you've ever been in a classroom with first graders, it's like this domino effect. If one person has to go to the bathroom, then everybody has to go to the bathroom. If some per one person needs to go out to the playground to play, then everybody wants to go out to play. They don't leave anybody behind, ever. And I want you to think about this. If you've got kids that are in, 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 in first grade, you know, six or seven years old, you need to look at the dynamics of how they, they interact and how they're connected. So there was this one time where we had um, new kids that, you know, would periodically come into the classroom um, in the middle of the year. And what would normally happen is one or two kids would take it upon themselves to show or lead the new child through the process of how things are done. So they took them by the hand, they walked them through the procedure of how we lined up, where we, where we kept things, um, how we transitioned from one activity to another, how we got down to the playground, how we went to the lunchroom, every single thing. And they did not leave that one child behind. They walked them through the entire process. They took them by the hand and they led them through step by step everything that was supposed to be done. Not only did they lead the, per, the, the new child or the new member of the, of the group, but they also welcomed them. They played with them. They talked to them. They eased, they eased their, their anxiety at being new. They, they welcomed them. They shared with them. And they made it a point that every single person in that room belonged to the community. And my kids always had this, you know, every year they would come up with a name for themselves. They may be the dinosaurs or the, the eagles or whatever. We were all a part of that group. We were all a part of that community. And because we were all eagles or we were all dinosaurs or we were all, you know, uh, rockets, whatever we were, because we were all that, we looked out for each other. So on the playground, they looked out for each other. When they were in different classes, they looked out for each other. Everywhere that they went, they belonged to the same group, to the same community, and they watched out for each other all the time. And that comes right back to the way leadership needs to be cultivated within your organizations. You cannot have people who are outside of the group being influenced because they don't feel connected to the group. So if you want to cultivate a community of leadership, you need to cultivate a community where everyone feels involved, everyone feels a part of the group, everyone feels important, everyone feels connected. And you want to figure out how to do that? Well, you have to think about the people that you're leading. You have to think about the people that are a part of your team. Get to know them. Get to know who they are and, and their experiences and their backgrounds and what's important to them and what makes them tick and what, what do they like to, how do they like to be acknowledged when they're successful and how do you need to talk to them if they need some assistance? But you have to know your people and you have to understand that everybody is a part of a community. It's not a matter of having a dictatorship where you just give out orders but it's a matter of taking everyone by the hand and helping them to feel more connected. 
the most successful organizations, the most successful companies are ones where there is a sense of belonging. There is a sense that we're all in this together and that we all are equal contributors to the success or failure of our team, of our group, of our company, of our organization. So you can't discount the fact that community is a very, very important aspect of being a true leader and of, cult of cultivating a leadership community. So that brings me to number two, the concept of control. And as I mentioned early on, the concept of control is fluid. It's very subjective. It comes down to people's backgrounds, their experiences, the way that they think about control, the way that they think about influence. And kids follow directions because they were taught or expected to follow directions. But unless they respected the process, unless they respected the teacher or the adult in charge, then you would have chaos. The same thing applies to leadership. Unless your followers, unless your team, unless the people within your organization respect the person who is leading, you're not going to have any type of control, quote unquote. You're going to have chaos. You're not going to have buy-in. You're not going to have support. You're not going to have the, the consistency and the camaraderie. You're going to have chaos. And you're going to have people who are constantly pushing back. And I know that if you're in a position where you are leading a group or you're leading an organization or you are in charge, I know you have those one or two people that you're thinking about that never seem to be on board with what's going on. And they're always causing some type of dissent or trouble or mutiny, as some people call it. But if you think about it, what is the reasoning behind that person's behavior? What is the reasoning behind their thinking? What is it about the way that they're thinking? What is it about their mindset that is leading them to take those particular actions? And it may just be as simple as having a conversation with them to find out exactly what's making them tick. What is it that's causing them to think the way they are, to respond the way they are, to re react the way they are, and to do the things that they're doing? So if you can figure that out, then maybe you can figure out how to get them on the same page. And now it's not going to be a power struggle where you're going to have to try to exert your power over them to get them to do something. But instead, it becomes a way for you to identify ways of bringing them into the community, of bringing them into the fold, of identifying the, the concerns that they may have, addressing them in a healthy way, to be able to start changing their mindset, start shifting the way that they're thinking so that you can then shift the way that they're behaving. You cannot mandate and control actions. You can only influence and affect and impact the way people think. And most of the time when it comes to things that are not working properly in our organizations and in our teams, the first thing that we want to do is we want to run in and put some norms and some punishments and some protocols in place in order to mandate or control behavior. You won't have to spend the time and the energy controlling behavior if you first deal with the way that they're thinking, if you deal with their mindset, if you deal with the way they're processing, if you deal with the way that they are thinking about who you are as a leader, about how they fit in your community, about what control means to them, and about their place and their importance and their role 
within the entire scheme of what needs to happen. Because ultimately, if you backtrack and go from their behavior and start thinking about and asking yourself, what is it about their behavior that is leading to this? What is it about the way that they're thinking that's causing them to behave this way? What is it about their background? What is it about their belief system? Try and get to the root of the way that they think. And once you get to the root of the way that they think, then you'll understand that you can influence them in a positive way and facilitate that whole process of them becoming better, of them working together collaboratively, of them working together as a team, and of them buying into what it is that you're trying to to get done. So you have to have the community, one, and you have to understand that the concept of control is not a mandate, but it's more so getting people on the same page by understanding who they are and where they come from and how they think. So the third piece of it is collaboration. And I know when people start talking about collaboration and teamwork, they say, well, you can't do everything together. There are some things that have to be done independently. There are some things that you you have to leave people on their own to be able to do. And that's great. That's true. But within every group within every team, you have to have a sense of collaboration. You have to have a way for people to share thoughts. You have to have a way for people to problem solve together. You have to have a way for people to communicate their, about their process and about their progress. Because unless you work together and unless you can collaborate and work together as a team to support each other and to help each other win, then you're not going to have a true team that's going to be able to work together to achieve success and sustain success. So group collaboration and discussion was key in first graders to getting everybody on the same page. If I wanted to come in and just say, hey, we're going to do this activity and we're going to do this because I said so, I would get some pushback, some murmurings. You'd have a couple of kids that would say, hey, we're not doing that because I don't want to. But if we talked about why is this important? What is it about this? How is this going to help everybody? How is this going to benefit everybody? What is it that we need to do in order to ensure that we're going to have the success? Talk about the vision, but also talk about the process of achieving the vision. How do you get there? What's necessary? What does it look like? Why is it important? How is it benefiting everybody? You have to collaborate in order to make sure that, one, you're not leaving anybody behind because a team is only as strong as its weakest link. So you don't want to leave anybody behind. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you have people's input before decisions are made. Now, I'm not saying that every single thing has to be a group process. I'm not saying that you have to vote on every single thing because there are some things that, you know, you're going to need to say this is the way it's going to be done because that's the way it's going to be done. But ultimately, even if the decision that's made is not agreed upon by everyone, at least people feel heard. At least they feel like they're part of the process. At least they have their, their, their thoughts and their concerns actually communicated to the rest of the, of the group. And they feel like a valued member of the organization. So you need to set up opportunities for people to work together because you don't want them competing against each other. That becomes a toxic environment. 
Instead, you want them to work together. You want them to be able to rely on each other. You want them to be able to learn from each other. You want them to be able to take direction from each other. And ultimately, you want them to be able to collaborate so that they can all succeed together. Because ultimately, when it comes down to being the leader, especially if you're one person over a group of many, it is so much easier to influence or to lead when you're not the one person that has to manage everyone's behavior. As a teacher, there is no way I could manage the behavior of 30 individual kids. There is just too many of them. They could overrun me in a heartbeat. But if I presented and set up a culture of collaboration if I enabled them to work on the buddy system and be able to have people they could go to when they had questions, if I set things up where people who were more advanced were able to teach those who needed some additional help, if I had people designated to be able to teach other ones the processes and the procedures, if I had someone else who was able to be the go-to person in case I was busy with someone else, that maximized my influence that enabled us to have more widespread success and it made each of the people in the, on the team feel more valued. They felt like they were a, an active and integral and important part of making sure that this organization was moving forward as a whole. So collaboration is not a way of cheating. Collaboration is not a way of, of you trying to, you know, get your, um, you know, shove your work on off onto somebody else. Collaboration done right is a way for you to strengthen the whole because everyone becomes a leader. Everyone becomes an influencer. Everyone becomes important. Everyone has a voice and everyone buys in because everyone's on the same page. And the way that you get that done is Bringing, coming to my fourth point, communication. Now, kids are naturally verbal. They want to express themselves all the time about everything. <laughs> if you think about five and six and seven-year-olds, they want to talk about everything. They have questions. They want to tell you what they did. They want to tell you what they ate. They want to tell you what they feel. They want to tell you everything. But the older we get, the more we stop being verbal. We stop communicating our, our concerns. We stop communicating about what we feel. We stop communicating about what we think. And when we have a lack of communication, you have a lack of cooperation and you have a lack of collaboration and you have a lack of community. You cannot have a fully functioning, successful organization or team or group without communication. So even if things aren't done the way you ultimately want them to, and you don't agree with everything, at least if you had a chance to feel that you were heard, that you were listened to, that your voice mattered, that they, can, they took your thoughts into consideration when they were making this decision, then you're more apt to get on board with it. You're more apt to say, hey, I may not have ultimately agreed with the direction that we went in, but I felt we had a good dialogue and I understand why. I understand the reasons behind it. I understand the purpose behind it. I understand how this process will get us to our ultimate outcome, our ultimate goal. So the kids were okay 
as long as they had input and they felt heard and they felt listened to. And you have to remember, you can't lead people who don't feel heard. Just like you can't lead people without communicating clearly, clearly the vision and the direction and the reasons for doing things. Now, I know I'm hearing some of the managers who are groaning at that last statement, but let me just help you to understand this. You may not have to go into detail about every single decision and every single directive because at some point you're going to build trust. And if you build trust, then they'll know that you have their best interest at heart and they will be okay with following you as long as you know, you, they understand that, you've, that, you're, that you have their best interest at heart and they don't, they trust you. So you have to build up that, that process of trust and of respect. So you have to communicate. You have to, to lay the foundation for collaboration. You have to build that community. You can't just come in and say that, you know, this is a dictatorship and the way whatever I say goes. You have to have some parameters. Yes, there will be some things that are non-negotiable. And there will be some things that as the authority figure, the buck stops with you. But overall, if your team and your group and your organization feels as if you are communicating clearly what the expectations are, and you're communicating clearly what it is that they're supposed to do, and you're communicating clearly what the outcomes are that you're trying to reach, and you're communicating clearly the vision of what you're trying to, to the picture that you're painting, then they can grasp it. Then they can ask you questions. Then they can internalize it. They can make it their own. And then they can act on it. So you have to have clear communication between the people in your group, among the people in your group, and from you to the people in your group because you can't lead people who don't understand where they're supposed to go. So the fifth and final portion, the fifth and final point of what I learned about leadership from first graders is trust. And I mentioned this before. Trust and respect is something that's earned. It is something that's cultivated. It is something that you have to work really, really hard in order to get that buy-in, in order to get that consensus, in order to get people to know who you are so they can trust where you're taking them. If you don't build a community, if you don't you know, have a flexible and a fluid notion of control, if you don't understand the importance of collaboration, and if you are not clear about communication, then you're not going to have trust. You're not going to garner respect. You're not going to be able to influence or lead anyone in any direction because they're going to wonder whether the direction that you're going is one where they want to follow. You can't lead if people don't trust you. First graders, one of the very first things that they learn when they come in is as the teacher, some of them, most of them are taught that, hey, my parents are leaving me here with this adult, so this adult must be the person that I'm supposed to trust. She's the one that's in charge. She's the one that's responsible for me, and she's the one that's going to make sure that nothing happens to me. For some kids, they come in immediately and, and they, they, they meet you, they like you, they trust you. But for some kids, the parents have to make that introduction. They have to say, this is the person that I am now giving you over to. And the parents have to lead that whole process of trust 
by showing that they trust you. And then the child will begin to trust you because they'll observe your actions. They'll see the way you treat them. They'll see how you welcome them, all of that. Same thing goes with adults. You have to understand that as a leader, you cannot lead anyone if they don't trust you. So you have to ask yourself, if you're having issues with your teams and you're having issues leading an organization, do they really trust you? Why should they trust you? What is it about your actions? What is it about the the things that you say? What is it about your background? What is it about the way that you interact with them and you relate to them that leads them to say, this is a person I should trust? What is it about the way you communicate with them? What is it about the way that you handle things that aren't done right? What is it about the way that you handle things that are done right and you praise them? What is it about who you are, what you stand for, and what you do that tells them and shows them that you are to be trusted and you are to be respected? Because until you can answer that question, until you can get firmly planted in your mind what it is that would cause someone to trust you and then walk that whole process out, then you're going to have a difficult time being an effective leader because you're not going to be able to influence anyone to do anything. The whole concept of control is fluid. It's subjective. It's very, very tenuous. We all know that and we understand that. But there are certain things that can be done to make sure that it's not a you against them mentality, but it's us, all of us in this together. Yes, I may be the leader. I may be the point person. I may be the one up here that answers to, you know, the higher ups and the one that has to make the final decision. But we're all in this together. Our community is built on shared decision-making. Our community is built on respect. Our community is built on collaboration and communication and trust. Because until you get to the point where you have all of those things, then you're not going to be an effective leader and you're not going to have a very successful organization, one that people want to work for and one that people speak highly of. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. Again, my name is Keisha Short, Keisha Rivers. I am the Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcome. You have been listening to Mindset to Mastery, the podcast, where we give you tips, strategies, tools, and actionable items that will help you to change your mindset and master your success. If you want more information, visit our website at carsgroup.com. That's cars, K-A-R-S group.com or mindset to mastery.com. That's mindset, the number two mastery.com. Until next time, make sure that you are having a purposeful day and start thinking about how you can lead based on what you would learn from a first grader. Until next time, have a great one.